Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Show. Myself, Roy Shanahan, Mr. David Bugle, and Neil Dobbs from TheBigKickoff.com. Well, it's been a Christmas of postponements, a hell of a lot of games called off due to COVID, but we still got our fair share. And Neil, some of the games, including a Chelsea side who have been decimated, and I'm still trying to figure out these rules, Tuchel kind of snapped. Yeah, yeah, Tuchel had a bit of a wobbler last night when uh, they drew up Brighton, so they obviously conceded a late goal, they were doing very well, but they're kind of going through a bit of a sticky patch at the moment, Chelsea, and uh, I think even if you've seen the Lukaku interview today, seemingly he did it with Sky Italy or something like that, where Lukaku came out and said he Tuchel has decided on a different formation, so they're obviously not fully happy in the camp, but um, for Chelsea alone, They've dropped quite a few points. They don't seem to be kind of beating teams in the manner that, we, let's say, City are beating teams at the moment. They're highly fancied, but yet they seem to be just going through this rough patch. Now, in fairness to Tuchel, when you listen to his interviews, and I love his interviews post-match normally, whether they win, lose, or draw, and he's generally on the ball, and he, he kind of comes up with some nuggets. But this time, he had the wobbler where he blamed COVID, he blamed injuries, he more or less kind of said the players aren't up to it or aren't ready or aren't fit enough um, which is a bit of a surprise so all in all I think he's probably coming under a little bit of pressure he sees the team that he has he's seen City pulling away and probably like many others now he's kind of thinking it's a bridge too far so he's I would say he's levelling expectation he's kind of saying look maybe things aren't the way we thought they would be or hoped they would be and as a result now, he's kind of come out and, you know, you can draw your own conclusions of what you think about it. But I thought it was very surprising that a top-level manager would kind of come out and more or less concede the league as early as it did. Yeah, Dave, it just it seems like it's a bit of pressure now rather than anything else because he's given out about COVID, etc. And the team he had out yesterday seemed fairly strong. They've got a fairly strong squad on, on the benchmarks, Alonso, Kante... Uh, Saul Nug- uh, Niguez, Ross Barkley, Ziyech, Havertz. So it's not as if they don't have the squad. If, if I was Norwich City, I'd be complaining more than if I was Chelsea. Well, Chelsea have a better squad than Norwich, so if they're missing some players, they're big players. If, if Norwich are missing five or six players, it's going to be, it's going to be a knock-on effect no matter who they are. Listen, the big boys aren't allowed to say anything. They're supposed to just take what they're given and not allow to complain. Klopp's a moan, Tuchel's a moan. Guardiola is a moan from time to time um, and they're not allowed and Sean Dyche piles in as well oh it's all well and good when Lampard and all these players are playing 60 games a season and now all of a sudden they're talking about player welfare there's a reason why they're talking about player welfare at the moment it's not just because the big boys are struggling it's because everyone's struggling because of this whole situation with COVID um, so yeah I, I have a bit of sympathy because you're not, allowed to, you're not allowed to say anything and I don't even think he's moaning I think he's very much saying, yeah, he probably is, as, as what Neil said, tapering expectations. Like They're missing seven COVID cases. I'm not going to know who they are one by one. And then five or six players who are now out for six or more weeks. You know, that's a kick. That's a serious kick in, 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 <laughs> in the groin. Um, but you're not allowed because you're, you're, you're the spoiled privilege up the top and there's no such thing as, you, you know, you have a massive squad, get over yourself. But you're after naming seven or eight players there. Ross Barkley, Saul Ligwes, not not a danger. They're they're not going to be championship winning to the players. Like it's it's it'll be the same with Liverpool if you get rid of some of their the main boys in the starting eleven. I do feel a tiny bit sorry for them. I'm not one of these who just jumps on the big boys as soon as they have 
any remote uh, complaints. Um, every team has a problem and every team has an issue. Um, but the, the big boys, unfortunately, aren't allowed to uh, have a little gripe about it. They're supposed to be just uh, pretty little rich boys and uh, are coming across as spoiled brats, which I don't think is always the case. Okay, Dave, do you think that Chelsea either way are performing to the level that they did at the start it doesn't seem they don't seem to be and I, th- I think that you would of course start pointing out these situations but at the start of the season they were flying and, and there just has been that little bit of a stumble since I think it was a Man United game yeah like but it's it, it, a lot of it could be down to the like a lot of teams at the moment there's a lot of results that are very up and down and performances are very up and down like Burnley weren't as addicts say, because apparently, like anyone who hasn't played for like eighteen days, or whatever, or oh, they should be fresh and as a daisy and be great. But playing playing every four or five days can be a good thing as well because it's a thing called momentum, and uh, that's to be expected. So, like, it could be a, a hindrance as well as a positivity. And with, with Chelsea, you know, very inconsistent inconsistencies with the team that has to have an effect. And no matter whether you're at the top or you're at the bottom, so. Listen, the screw is going to be torn on them. But like you look at Man City and you look at who, how many uh, points wins the league for the last four or five years, you know you have to be near perfect. And you need the look of you need the look of having your squad fit and healthy for the majority of the season in order for that to happen. Because if you don't have it, there's no way you're going to keep up with the pace that Man City or Liverpool have done over the last few years. It's as simple as that. So you know it's going to be very difficult. But now that they're slipping down into the kind of the other pack, everyone's kind of. Uh, rightly or not kind of trying to turn the screw and, and, and put the magnifying glass on them because within a week everything changes and your opinion the week before is, is, is useless and we need to uh, come up with a new one because there's no such thing as a, a bit of longevity in what people uh, seem to have an opinion anymore you know so I just think it's a bit all over the shop it's a bit of a roller coaster for at the moment and yes he needs to settle it down calm it down and start he's a massive game at the weekend if he wins all of a sudden things are great groovy again like that's the, the, the beauty of this league you're coming up against a massive club another rival in Liverpool and come Monday evening it could be a completely different conversation because Liverpool weren't exactly banging on it last night either or not, not last night on the 28th so um, that's how quickly this this this, 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 this Premier League it, it, it goes or merry-go-round goes on at the moment so look it's just a bit of a bad spell you're allowed. Um, there's a massive team in Man City who just are such a strong side. And as as we will probably get to in, in a moment, you have to be near perfect. And um, that's the gap. That's the gap you have to try and close. And it doesn't happen overnight. And without with all the problems that they're having, like everyone else, it's not. It, it, it just makes it even harder. I think for us, Dave, when you look at these managers, it, it's all good and fine when they're winning. We like to see yeah. how they cope. Can they get through these sticky patches? Oh, 100%. But look what's happening already. Uh, first red flag today, Lukaku's sprung up. So all of a sudden, is this the start of it now? Are they going to turn on him and he's the next one to go? Like, you know, like managers nowadays, it's getting so hard for them. And uh, they get the blame for everything. And for him to come out the way he did today, that's like, oh, here we go. Is this the start of the sinking ship and players are going to turn? Because obviously there's been a few in and out of the team and he's been a hard taskmaster. Um, I'd be a little bit worried now because if he has a bit of an influence with a few players, all of a sudden five or six could all of a sudden like start turning on him, not putting in the same shit that they always do, and all of a sudden Tuchel um, is going to be the one who's the who's the scapegoat. It could be very interesting. Yeah, Neil, Chelsea have won two out of the last five. 
Manchester City don't have the same problem at all whatsoever. They're five from five and, and, and we can go forward or back than that. They're in a good place and they seem to be swapping their players around at will. Yeah, I mean, look, Roy, it's chalk and cheese in some regards. I mean, we, we would have probably discussed it on the show maybe two, three months ago that Chelsea had probably the next best squad to Manchester City. But it just seems things, you know, the tables have torn, be it COVID, be it players injured, whatever it, whatever has gone on. All of a sudden now you look at Man City and I was looking through their line up there today and I mean, Man City, they're, like their weaker players are Zinchenko and Ake. You know, their fringe players are Sterling, Grealish, Fernandinho, Stones. Like the money that they spent on these guys to be fringe players, there's no other team in the league that can come even close to it. And now that the COVID scenario has happened and games are called off and, you know, what was it, two weeks ago, I think Chelsea only named five on the bench or something like that. They just can't compete with City. City are a machine and they have a really, really quality, you know, number two backup player for every position on the team. Now, you can put that down to recruitment, you can put that down to money, but you also have to put that down um, to Pep Guardiola and the way that he has these guys primed to come into that position. Like, Fernandinho filled in for Rodri and then you've got Gundogan filling in for De Bruyne. Like, Kevin De Bruyne has been the best team, or sorry, the best player in the league for the last maybe two to three years and he's just a bit power player this year and it's no problem for City because they can compensate if Mares to come off the bench, they Bernardo Silva, who was being sold in the summer, you know, as part of a Kane swap deal, and now is all of a sudden in the in the form of his life. So, you know, it, it must be very demoralising and, and kind of for City or sorry for Chelsea and for Liverpool to look at that City side that roll into every game with eleven quality world class, well not world class players, but class players in every position. And then think to yourself, we're going to overhaul these. So all in all, the, the battle, you know, has changed over the last couple of days that we're, we're all of a sudden thinking to ourselves, is this City team just too good? Probably yes is the answer. Um, when you look at their bench other night, Neil, they had Cole Palmer, uh, Luke Bette, um, they had Zach Steffen. So these are players that aren't really, you know, your multi-million pound players. But I get where you're coming from with the likes of Gundogan, Sterling and, and Marjes on the bench. Dave, when you look at the likes of Ake though, you look at the likes of Stones who was slated for a couple of years. Is it just that Pep Guardiola, if you want to be in his side, and he needs to probably be praised for this, if you want to be in his side or his squad, you have to produce the best or else you just won't be there? Simple as that. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's a man who... And I mean this in a, in a right, in a nice way, not in a sinister way. But the, the control that he has in the team, or in his, <clears throat> excuse me, in the squad. But not only have they got the, the two players for every position, but they have two or three young fellas. That when you, I remember, I think it was the all or, all or nothing on Prime, and they're they're grooming the exact same way as well, so that if there is such an, a, a team where they can bring him through, and that's why Foden kind of seems to slot in quite comfy alongside a few others. Like it's a, it's a proper project where it's not just a couple of, it's not a farm the way Chelsea have used it. They're trying to bring them in to bring them up into the into the starting eleven as well and not just sell them for tens of fifteens and millions. But like, you know, it's, you either do it my way or the highway and that's what a manager and any manager who manages in the Premier League needs. needs. And it's as simple as that. 
you know, and like they need to be able to have that bit of a sway over over their team, and it's getting harder and harder as the years have gone on. And um, as you and, and even when you can see with the likes of Lukaku out of nowhere, is is all of a sudden perking up, acting like a bit of a superstar with some of that with with that uh, kind of piece today you, that you worry going. I can only imagine if that was Klopp uh, or or or, or, or um, uh, Guardiola and their Tuchel. I think won't take to a two kind either. That's for sure. But it's, that could be the end of him at Chelsea if that's the way it is, or should be if if that's the way he's acting. But like with with City, he gives you a go. You get, look at the, look at uh, Sterling and and the improvements. He was arguably one of the better players in world football for a year or two. Like he literally came on the leaps and bounds when he came in, and exactly like John Stones, he was on the on the rubbish heap. But he stuck it out, and he has faith in, in 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 his players as long as they put in the shift and as long as they put in the work. And it's there's certain basic things that they can do that have power and sway, and that's playing them or not playing them. And if you're not playing and you want to stick around with a big club like Man City or any big club, you know you know what you have to do. You have to roll up your sleeves and get in and get in with the rest of the gang. Otherwise, you know you're going to be a bit per player or or, or worse. You're just going to yeah, be in the shadows, or and and then drift away in in the mid mid to lower end of the of the league, and and have another career. If only and 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 saying if only, if only I had to work that bit harder, if only I had to do what he asked me to do, you know, instead of thinking you're about. But if you look at your city and to a lesser extent Liverpool, the airs and graces just aren't there with them. Like they they work hard and they work their socks off because they know what needs to be done to get the job done. While with a lot of the other teams, it's more about the individual. And not the team, and uh, they they'll moan about not winning at the end and blame and blame the manager instead of looking at themselves. Going, have I done enough for the team or just for myself? Neil, when you look at Manchester City sticking six by Leicester and then Liverpool losing three points, really because they they had opportunities. What does that say about where Manchester City are and, and where Liverpool are in, in this title chase? Um. Jeez, you know, it, it, I I don't know whether David agree me or not now, but I watched Liverpool in the in the cup during the week versus Leicester and the home crowd. Jeez, they really drove them on, and you were thinking to yourself if the almost slash reserves can get a result like that against a Leicester team which were were rested and you know did all the big names coming back, surely then you're going to kick on when you've your main players back. Now Liverpool brought back. Jordan Henderson, they brought back Fabinho, they brought back Van Dijk for this game. So you were thinking to yourself, the expectation was there that they were going to do the job and that they were going to kick on. And for whatever reason, now don't get me wrong, I still think Liverpool dominated the game, but they were lacking a sharpness, maybe a final product. Obviously, you know, Salah missed the penalty and all the rest, but it just shows that City at the moment are operating at a level that is well above what Liverpool are at. Even though Liverpool are scoring sometimes three, four goals a game, City have now, I, I think it's 10 games, I might be wrong, 10 games in a row that they've won. Like That's a massive, massive statement when you're running for a Premier League that, you know, people are saying today the league is over, you know, City have pulled ahead now and it's done. But for Liverpool to overhaul City, you're basically looking at Liverpool to win 10 of their next 11 games and do it comprehensively enough that they can put, you know, a shutter down City spine. But when you look at the two teams, you know, Liverpool are, are doing well and they're, they're, they're doing okay, but they're not at the same level or the efficiency that City are in creating, converting and putting these teams away. So personally, as a Liverpool supporter, I'm not, I won't say I'm worried, but there's this 
kind of weird level of inevitability that City are now in a different mode than Liverpool are in. And it's very worrying kind of going forward that can they emulate a 10-game run, a 15-game run, which at the moment seems very far away. I think all teams in the in the Premier League are probably thinking that, Neil. Probably not just Liverpool. Um, it's yeah. it's a thing where City have just found their groove and and look very hard to to get them out of it. As something Pep Guardiola, Dave said about Van Dijk during the week. He said Van Dijk is overhyped by football pundits, especially Jamie Carragher. He said a lot of pundits, especially Jamie Carragher, compare Virgil to the likes of Vidic, Terry, and Ferdinand. But the reality is, he's a good defender, but nowhere near them. We've beat Liverpool by four or five goals twice in the last few seasons, and the players don't really find him that intimidating. Uh, Vidic, in my opinion, should go down as the best defender to ever play in England, as he faced my prime Barcelona team a number of times, and he was the only player who impressed me the most. I tried to sign him in 2010, but he was loyal to Sir Alex. Players like Van Dijk, Maguire and Silva never faced my Barcelona team between 2009 and 12. That was the toughest thing they could defend against. Uh, talk about that first of all, and then just talk about how you think he has done since he's come back. Look, he, he's, he's got an argument and I, I wouldn't kind of try too hard to go against it because like, like we, we've a bit of an archive now. We've been doing it for over three years. Like I, I've stuck my neck out a few times and criticised him because like obviously he could walk on water and even the Nevels and not anti-Liverpool but like non-Liverpool ex-players were like as I said, he was he was untouchable, and no no one bet him for a year. And there's a definite, and I I, I still like I I'll say the same ones over and over. But like even over the last few weeks, there's times where it's like, would you do a bit of a spread eagles uh, last ditch slide tackle instead of trying to look cool? And everything has to be everything has to look cool in my eyes with with Van Dyke, and that's what annoys me sometimes. Where with the other guys, you know, it's they're not they're they were always willing to do everything, including the putting their balls on the line pardon the pun or getting their face on the line while I, I haven't seen it with Van Dijk and people can say oh that's because he doesn't have to no any good defender has to you have to make last ditch tackles you have to make the bit of hero dies from time to time and, and get in the way of potential goals and I've never seen him do, do it um, so I do understand where they're coming from because as I said like YouTube it still grinds me to this day watch Watford's first goal against Liverpool he literally lets them cross it in for free and of course they go one nil down and he's done it on many an occasion. So I do get it. Like the guy's a good defender, which is no denying. But I think we are uh, on a whole, we, we are void of that type of player. Like you see it on the clickbait uh, channels um, after the this year's Ballon d'Or. Like, oh, look at the Ballon d'Or of the 2000, 2001 or 1998 or whatever. And the top 20 are absolute megastars. Well, could you get 20 megastars now? Like, I think we are a bit void of that type of talent or maybe we're just harping back to a, a simpler time or a better time or maybe maybe the talent is a bit void. But it's just, nowadays, I think as well, I think about how it's covered. Everything has to be graded in Egypt. Like, um, Mo Salah is the best player in world football about six weeks ago, but within two weeks, Bernardo Silva is the best player in the Premier League, mm-hmm. which means... In my eyes, he's the best player in world football because Mo Salah was the best player in world football two weeks ago. Like that's how that's the way teams are covered nowadays. So obviously Van Dijk is is the best centre half of all time for a year or two. But I can understand why Pep or anyone else would go, hold on, I'm not buying this. I need to go against it, and they're right to do it because I think it's how things are covered, not necessarily Van Dijk himself or any player who gets who, who gets lauded. And um, 
So I, I have to agree. Now, I'm not one of these who has to say, show me the medals, because if they don't have the medals, then I'm, I'm not buying it. Like, players can be good players no matter who or, what, or who they play for, regardless of trophies. I know it helps, but um, I, I completely understand and I find it very hard to, to, to come up with an argument to, to go against it. Yeah, Neil... When you look at Manchester United, who won tonight against Burnley, they have won four out of the last five league games. They're still not a feel-good factor, but when you compare Van Dyke and then you have someone else who is supposed to be world-class and Raphael Varane, I'm not seeing Raphael Varane as a world-class player. In actual fact, I think he's been really poor since he joined Manchester United and maybe this is just him finding his feet and you know this you know he gets a season in behind him but I'm not seeing it at the moment and he looks very shaky very nervous yeah do you know what it is Roy I think when it comes to centre halves you're you know we always go on about a pairing a really good pairing of a centre half and I think Varane when he was beside Ramos looked like a Rolls Royce but Maybe Ramos was the dominant, if you know what I mean. He was the vocal, he was the organiser, he was the dominant centre-half. Just came back to what Dave is saying there about uh, Van Dijk, I think he's the dominant centre-half, but all you have to do is find a partner beside him. So maybe for Varane, now again, I may be getting this wrong, but I look at Varane when he's in beside Harry Maguire and I don't really see that kind of click now, whether that's Varane is used to the likes of looking to his left and saying, Jeez, there's Ramos, not a bother here. We were totally in control. And now he's looking at Harry Maguire and thinking, I don't quite have the trust that I would have had in a world-class centre-half that I now have. And he's struggling to adapt to that lifestyle. I don't know whether it's a, a timing thing where he needs games and, you know, maybe, you know, come March, we're all saying, Jeez, Varane now has come come back to the way the, the type of defender you thought he should be or could be uh, I don't know but for me it definitely feels like there's something missing now whether that's a back four or a two as in the two centre half defenders I don't know but uh, no I'd agree with you insofar as that I don't really see him shine where you kind of say yeah well that's what they paid the money for that's why that guy is in there and and maybe that's having an effect on him going forward so it could be a dual thing. There's been a lot of different partnerships. Boye has come in. Lindelof has been in there. So maybe he needs games. But for me, and when you're spending money and talking about players then in the top bracket, Varane hasn't quite hit the ground running. So he's a lot to improve on. There's no doubt about it. Uh, just finish up on the Man United thing, Dave. When you look at the way he's played, I wrote an article during the week, just kind of maybe slating or his approach to the way that they have... Uh, played with 4-2-2-2 with no wit whatsoever Uh, tonight they seem to he changed that in the second half against Newcastle and again tonight he played wingers more so with Greenwood and Sancho Um, Ragnick he doesn't have much time to make an impression and if he doesn't make an impression quickly he will be out there whether it's a a role behind the scenes or, or gone he doesn't have much time to impress yeah, like I think the original four two two two, it was to kind of help shore it up in the back because just before Salzburg got sacked, they did third worst defence in the league, and that was behind um, Norwich and Newcastle at the time. Like that's how bad they were. Um, now all of a sudden they're back in the middle of the pack, with uh, only twenty six conceded because they haven't conceded all that much over the last few weeks. And I think that was what the element was. But obviously they've taken away some of the goals, so. 
obviously it was probably a potential quick fix just to get the ball rolling and just to see press-wise and the whole lot to have the two Fernandes and another who are trying to give it at the moment to sit in the pockets to try and if they lose the ball up higher they can get in quicker and get the ball back within the couple of seconds that all these teams like to do with the, the quick high press but the 4-4-2 tonight seems to look a little bit better but let's be honest you know, Neville has never been more vocal about United. Shock horror since his pal has left. All of a sudden, the players are this and that and the other. And the manager's yeah, already kind of getting the, the microscope uh, on him, which for four years, there's been bluffers in, in masks getting away with it. It's it's players. It's players, players, players. Um, these experts on TV for six months uh, in the summer and up until recently are going on about this world-class squad, which is just not there. And so whether it be Ranić or whoever comes in has a serious job to do. We just talked about Man City. They are a million miles away from that. He can do a quick fix to get them into the top four because the gap is not that big, which is good. But in order, because United need to be challenging for titles in two, two to three, maybe four years' time if you give them, if, you, if you're really kind. So he needs to get at it and get at it quick, whether it be him or whoever comes in after. There's about six or seven, there's potentially six to seven players to come into the first team, let alone the squad. They're not good enough. Um, Fellaini was my barometer. As long as he was there, you know you were never going to hit the heights again. It's the same with the likes of Matic. It's the same with Rashford. It's the same with a few of them. If they're still in the team in the next couple of years, you're not going to be challenging Man City. And that's whoever comes in or whether he sticks around. They need to recruit well and smart. Um, and don't go wild and buy five and six names. You know, They really need to get some good, honest team players who the greater goal is to win trophies not to rack up numbers and it's going to be a big important three or four transfer windows so formations can go out the window all they want they need to clean clean clean, uh, clean the house big time before we can really start questioning how good you know you can be because at the moment they won't be that good until it's changed and the fact that it's turning on Ranić already is nuts and it's Media has to stop looking at managers straight away and start looking at players. But of course, if you do that, you don't get the access and you don't get the interviews because it's a player's it's a player's world. You know, look at Lukaku; he'll get away with doing what he did today. Um, so that's where I see it. It's it, it, they they can play well tonight. It's irrelevant how like they need new they need new uh, fresh uh, impetus and players that come in that might necessarily grab the the headlines but we'll grab the headlines after a few weeks and you realise the type of player they are and are willing to fight for the cause because I don't think there's enough there at the moment Yeah uh, I'm in agreement uh, they played well in the first half there, were, uh, mm-hmm. there was nothing there in the second half it was a very very poor second half and a waste of 45 mm-hmm. minutes to watch but when I what my point was was that with Rangnick he's I thought he's making and you can tell me if this is a fair point or not he was making yeah. his job harder by not creating creating less chances than Solskjaer's yeah. team was uh, and they have the likes of Cavani they have the likes of Ronaldo who feed off crosses who feed off delivery yeah. and that just wasn't happening in the games that he had played now now he, is, he, he has changed it back for the last game and a half and there has been more supply yeah. and, and, and they look a little bit more different I have absolutely I 100% agree with you and you say yeah. they're miles off see, they're miles off the top three they, they don't have the players to go further than uh, top four position. That's 100%. I do think that Ranić now is going to be judged on 
what you can get out of these players and that was his job over yeah. six months what can you get from the players that you have because he's not going to be given any time to bring players in so he has to no. make sure that the players now whether that's whether that's players that are on the, the, the verge of the team and listen you're getting your place and whoever it is Sancho you're not now in fairness Sancho was half decent tonight but you're not getting your place I'm not seeing you working hard enough and training and, you know he's going to have to sort of change things around just to, to, to light a fire but yeah, I, I do think that he will be judged. The players are being judged totally all the time, I think. Uh, I do think that his if he wants the job any further, that's what he has to do. He has to get the best out of these players. Yeah, no, and uh, to be honest, when when I say people are looking at him, it's not even yourself, Roy. It's more kind of um, the, the buddies, the Ali Solskjaer buddies, who all of a sudden are coming out and, and starting to put the microscope on him within a few weeks, which is ridiculous. But to be honest, I think his initial playing around with his formation is was to tighten it up because as I said literally just as he got sacked it was the third worst defence in the league so it's it's kind of what most managers tend to do when, it, when they come in because the team is usually struggling it's right let's tighten it up now they still look a bit open all hours at times but it's very difficult at the moment to try and find the right balance because there is an imbalance uh, as you said like because like with the strength that they have up front they need width and they have a lot of good attack and talent, but the bit in between, the, the the balance between defense and attack isn't quite there yet. And hence why Matic is probably playing. And obviously Fred and McTominay and everyone's questioning them whether they're good enough or not. So it's to try and find that happy medium that there's a good, good enough for support for the back for the for the back line, but also for plenty for the for the guys who are going to provide the goals. And there is a bit of an imbalance that he needs to try and unfortunately think around with at the moment. Now I think he's getting lucky because of his his run of fixtures. Uh, they're unbeaten in the last five, so maybe before it really gets to the business end and some of the bigger teams come to come to play, he might have a little bit of a, a more of a consistent group going. But it'll be interesting. But I'll just ask you, right? Because I was in and out of the second half because I was getting a bit bored. But did you? How did you find the two fullbacks when the second shots in it? I I actually thought they were decent, but yeah. still have the same weaknesses, as in. Yeah, yeah. Wambasaka can get caught in the ball very easily. He he kind of tries to overdo it, over overplay it at times. Uh, he he can lose his focus at times. He hit a back pass tonight, uh, kicked the back just for a corner kick, uh, just sort of w- blindly passed it back. He did okay though. He, like the two of them did okay, and yeah. I think what happened was was that in the first half especially that. They hadn't played in a few games, so they had to come out and try and do a bit of performance. Second half, yeah, I think they were as good as everyone else, and everyone else wasn't very good. It was a very poor second half for Manchester United. Now they've seen out a game three one, but Burnley, if if it was anyone else, uh, Burnley missed a couple yeah. of great opportunities. So, yeah, I, like I, I'm not overly impressed with Manchester United, um, and yeah. the the fullbacks mirrored what the team did in the second half so I'd be very harsh on them if I if I sort of criticised only yeah, them yeah because the first half I, I thought they looked sharper and I was like it goes to show you what a, a few weeks on the bench does to a player you know Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah it kind of petered out but like, like they're still the team who played as bad as they did uh, six or seven weeks ago and it's just it's very hard to try and get a, a new tune out of that team and it's going to take a bit of time and he, he's in a very difficult position um, because will he have the motivation to stick around? Because Cavani's going to go. There's no denying it. He's not going to want to stick around for this project. Um, so there's another attacking talent that they're going to miss. So who's going to come in? So it's it's just a very precarious position where United are at the moment. And their next few purchases are going to be vital 
to see whether they're just going to be where they are again as per usual over the last few years or are they really going to start getting serious and, and, and start closing that gap properly. Yeah, no, I was just thinking to myself, and I, I might be playing devil's advocate here, but watching Man United over the last while with Ranić and the way he's playing this kind of four-two-two-two, when I've been watching him and thinking to myself, I, 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 when he, if he's going to go with two up front like he did today with uh, Ronaldo and Cavani, I almost feel I'd love to see them revert to that kind of four-four-two, where say Sancho's wide right and maybe Rashford is wide left. And they're giving the two lads up top this different kind of ammunition, these crosses or supply line. You don't kind of see with a very, very narrow scenario that they play with at the moment. But I don't know if it's just me, the old romantic of, you know, the old Alex Ferguson days, the two wing-backs flying on. Now, be it that has to be Shaw, be it has to be Wan-Bissaka, left and right side. But I would rather see two wide, you know, like a Sancho, like a Rashford supplying the bullets, um, but it just feels like there's something more there with Man United that has yet to come out. Whether Ranić will play it or is adaptable enough from his uh, his four two 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 formation, but I think it would be an interesting thing to see. Just I won't say I'm a neutral perspective, but someone's perspective that thinks there's more in that when you have uh, Cavani and Ronaldo up front. Yeah, I think they. But you need crossing midfielder. You need them in. Like That's it, a hundred percent. There's no point in playing the two of them if you're not getting the service in, and you need to be getting, yeah. you know, your fifteen, twenty crosses, whatever it is, in, and giving them opportunities yeah. to score goals. Uh, because, as you said, Neil, get someone on the right who's right foot, get someone on the left who's left foot, whip them in. Yes, you can switch them around. They did that today. Greenwood and Sancho switched from left to right on a, on a fair few occasions, and I thought they did very well doing that. Uh, I, I was impressed with Sancho tonight because he was uh, a little bit different and, and there was something about him tonight, but uh, that has to be there all the time. It has to be consistent, So, and, and that's not it at the moment, really. Um, the best Manchester United can do really is for position, but Neil... Uh, there's a few others in there, Arsenal, West Ham, Spurs themselves. Who who do you think can sneak that on the form, I suppose, so, shown so far in this half a season? Who do you think would be the best uh, candidate for that top four position? Yeah, I, I don't want to sound negative towards West Ham because I really gave them a good doing over last year and they proved me wrong. So I think uh, Spurs this year, I, I don't know what it is. I'm watching them under Conte now and it kind of feels like the same but different as in Conte's just brought out this extra layer of steel and determination about spores and I know Dave might agree with me when we watched them against Liverpool last week um, they did something to Liverpool that hasn't happened in quite a time where you were very very worried about them getting at your back line and the damage that they could do so it's yeah, it was almost like, you know, Spurs turn back time a little bit. And with this Kane Son thing, if they can get them firing in the way they have been in yesteryear, they could be a very a, a big danger. And Conte, if he's ever proved anything in the last year, he won it with Chelsea, was that he can make a very limited squad of kind of 12, 13 players very, very formidable, very hard to beat and very consistent. And if he can bring that out in, in, uh, in Tottenham now, I, I would actually back them it's something at the back of my mind is telling me that Tottenham are going to do it this year insofar as, you know, they're not achieving that by winning a trophy, but they're well capable of hitting the top four. Now, if they can keep the lads fit, they're out of Europe now, obviously, by the kind of the, the yeah, flip of a coin. So I think that will help them. And I think Spurs, when you look at their 11 and you look at the way Conte's driving them on and he's changed them since he's come in, uh, they'd be my tip, I think. I have a feeling they're just going to creep into fourth 
Um, but I think they'll be pushed. But I would just put them slightly on edge ahead of uh, uh, Manchester United and Arsenal at the moment. Dave, your thoughts? Do you think that the Spurs and uh, the Conte factor can push them on there? Uh, Arsenal have been excellent, whether it's yeah. the fixtures that they have or the, the young players just gelling. Yeah, no, definitely. I wouldn't say too much different to, to what Neil said about Spurs. I would just maybe say I'd put them neck and neck with Arsenal at the moment, purely from a very simplistic opinion of they lost their first three games of the season. So if you take them away for a minute, the the last 16 matches, they've won 11, drew two and lost three. That's really impressive. So that's the form they're in. That's not a fluke. They've done that for 16 matches now. So Arsenal are in a good vein of form. It's not just something that's been nice for the last few weeks. So that's why I would say, yeah, I 100% agree with Neil in relation to sports, but why I think it would be at the moment uh, uh, sit on the fence 50-50 between them two because West Ham are obviously... They won their last game, but they lost the, uh, the two previous and drew. So they're only one point in, in, in nine in the, in the previous three matches. And then United, you just don't know who sh- what United are showing up. So I think with West Ham and United at the moment, there's a bit of a, an inconsistency compared to Arsenal for their last 16 matches and then Spurs since Conte's come in. But it could be a humdinger, really, between the four. It'd be great if all four of them stick with it, um, without a doubt. But if Arsenal and Spurs keep doing what they're doing while things are still a bit messy at United, and if West Ham are a bit up and down it could be a nice uh, North London uh, fight for that fourth spot yeah, I'll stick with you, Dave, because when you look at the relegation battle, obviously we've mm-hmm. talked about Norwich nearly after the second or third game of the season, how poor they look. Uh, Dean Smith hasn't done anything there to change that. Uh, they've lost their last five games. But when you look down there at the likes of Newcastle, who who showed a bit of a bottle about them against Manchester United, and they, they haven't performed too bad under Eddie Howe. Burnley tonight don't look the worst but I look at Wofford who have lost five games in a row I look at Leeds who have only won one out of no be it the last game but they've only won one out of the last five it's yeah. by no means uh, a certainty that who's going down who, who do you think could get dragged into this yeah like I think it's going to be between them five real, realistically because and, and it's strange because I'm looking at the league table here uh, because you've got them five Norwich, Newcastle, Burnley, Wofford and Leeds and then, then it's everything for God's sake. Yeah. Um, and then Brentford, Southampton, Villa, Palace. You, you think them teams would have enough and even Everton will turn it around. So I think it's going to be between them five. I'd be shocked if others get dragged in. But You could still, you could still stick a question then. mark over Everton though, couldn't it, Dave? Um, well, yeah, because they're a volatile team. Um, and, and whatever about Rafa, players can easily down to, well, not down to on him necessarily, but if it's not working, they can easily kind of go, yeah, the fans are going to turn on him, ex-Liverpool, it's not going to take much, we'll get away with it. And then when the new guy comes in, they'll turn it back on again and move up the table. But if he sticks around, it could get really messy. And I, I think he's in trouble, whether whether they want to get rid of him or not. He could be in trouble for that reason alone, that the squad can be, um, as I said, they're very humorous. I and mean, Charlton is the king of that. He's so hot and cold, it's ridiculous. But if I presume they will turn it around by hook or by crook, and I expect the others to... Um, you look at Burnley and Newcastle they've only won one game each like yeah, it's, it's poor like as much as Newcastle are trying their best at the moment and uh, a couple of players are really fighting for their cause and then hope, and obviously the fans would hope that they bring in a couple of nuggets uh, in, in the January transfer window with the backing that they have um, at this stage maybe with some of the promise they might do enough Wofford as a five in a row as you said like Norwich I would probably plumb for them too Wofford and Norwich 
and then Newcastle, Watford, or Newcastle, Burnley, and Leeds to fight for that last spot. At the moment, I would probably be a bit bold and say Burnley. I, I think Leeds will do enough, and maybe Newcastle, providing they are clever with who they buy. They don't just buy um, Romans, so to speak, but if they're clever with who they buy and what they're trying to do, and if they can just get that win, that a bit like they should, they should have got something out of the United game, but if they just get that win with the good performance, it could be the catalyst to get a little bit more consistency because it doesn't look like any of that bottom five have to do a hell of a lot to get away because Norwich have only won two, Newcastle won, Burnley won, yes, Watford have won four, but they've only drawn one. They've lost 12 out of 17. So if you can win two or three every seven or eight games, like you should easily pull away. It shouldn't take all that much. So you can't rule out Norwich for that reason, but I fully expect them not to. But I'm going to go with Norwich, Watford, and at a push, I would go with Bournemouth. I think Newcastle and Leeds might just do enough. Neil, what's your thoughts there? I, I mixed it up there. Obviously, Newcastle drew against Manchester United in their last game and they won five games ago. Yeah. But is it the, there seems to be a, when you look at Norwich, Burnley, Wofford, even Leeds, Newcastle seem to have a huge positivity that when this transfer window comes in, that there's the support have a belief that they can get out of it. They they have the money if they get the right players in. Even Eddie Howe will turn things around. That that result the other night would have given them even more confidence. So, is that something that you think is going to drag Newcastle out of this? Yeah, do you know what is right? I think Newcastle have this weird false hope that you know something's going to happen for them that's going to change their fortunes and the only thing that's going to change their fortunes is an absolute pile of money and hopefully for them uh, you know someone over transfers that's going to bring in and you know what it is right be it the mercenaries be it the experienced guys be it the guys out of contract it doesn't matter for Newcastle they have to stay up so they're going to, there's going to be a desperation but they're going to bring in people let's be honest we know that I'm looking at the table here Roy when you and Dave are speaking 45 games out of the bottom nine teams have five wins five wins Dave was talking there a second ago about you win two out of three games these guys haven't have won one and nine one and nine they're shocking so the way I look at it is this if Newcastle bring in new players they might be okay if they can gel and get some results together I think Norwich are dead Burnley are in a world of hurt and Leeds and Everton are blessed that there's four teams below them that are absolutely god-awful at the moment. So in my mind, Newcastle are the only kind of, you know, ace in the card that you might say they might do something, something might happen. But Burnley, Norwich, Wofford, definitely two out of them are going to go and most likely someone is going to be dragged in. So yeah, I, I kind of go with Dave. The bottom three are in big trouble. Newcastle maybe had a push but I can see Wofford getting pulled into that because even with a new manager, they don't seem to be improving. OK, I'm going to stay with you on this one, Neil, because you wanted to talk about the best 11 of the season so far. And you mentioned that it'd be amazing to think that the likes of De Bruyne, Kane and Grealish would not be in it at all. Yeah, madness. Absolute madness. Like, I was I was kind of thinking to myself here, well, I send it out, what my best 11 would be. But then I thought, you look at the end of last year, Jack Grealish, I remember we were arguing over him and Phil Foden for wide left or wide right. And you know, Jack Grealish is nowhere. Kane is nowhere. And uh, yeah, you, you kind of got to mix up your, your best 11 now. So um, 
it's probably predictable who the best eleven are. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the Carragher Neville thing during the week, but um, yeah, where do you want to start? In goal. In goal. Uh, we had this debate last week where we were talking about goalkeepers. I'm actually going to go with Martinez because I just think he's been classed the last while and Alisson has given me a couple more scares than I want to believe has happened for Liverpool in the last few weeks. Ederson doesn't get tested enough. He's probably my number one at the moment by a smidgen. So I go for Martinez purely because he's overworked, but he still looks class. Dave, uh, Alisson, a little bit shaky so far. De Gea hasn't been too bad, uh, but there's uh, there's quite a lot of good goalkeepers in, in this division this year. Yeah, like you've got Sad Wolves as well, who's done quite well. And obviously Ramsdale's grabbed a few headlines with some of his worldly saves. And then Ennison does what he does. Obviously you've got Kasper Schmeichel as well. But even that guy Sanchez at Brighton looks, has looked decent as well. I, look, I'm a fan of Mark. I'm, I'm a fan of Martinez and um, I'll be honest with you I think he would generally there's certain players or certain keepers it's a course you think they're great because they're in the bottom half uh, team and they're busy let's face it we know who I'm talking about Simon Mignolet we, we got bit by that course he looked amazing <laughs> because he was busy and then as soon as he goes to Liverpool he's shy I think Martinez would do a good job at any of the big boys as well I really do because um, I'm not classing Arsenal as one of them at the moment. He did well there, but I'm talking about City, Chelsea and say Liverpool at the moment. I think he did a good, just as good a job. So I, I will agree with Neil. But if anyone really wants to force Ederson, I, I wouldn't put up much of a fight either. OK, well, go to your full-backs, Neil, because Cancelo at City kind of has been rock solid, hasn't he? Yeah, Cancelo's different class. Um now again, look, we, we always come back to this argument on the show of what way does your team want to play? So do you want a defensive fullback or do you want an attacking fullback? Now for me, you look at City, you look at Liverpool, you look at Chelsea to a lesser extent in order to play the three at the back. But for me, it's got to be the attacking fullback. So, you know, Cancelo is unbelievable. He scored a couple of goals like two, three weeks ago where he pinged them into the top corner. So I think that's a kind of a no-brainer, yeah. Dave, your thoughts on fullbacks? So would you both Cancelo on the left-hand side then, Neil? Yeah. Or you'd put our Trent on the right then, or would you go with Reese James? Best attacking full-backs, Dave. Yeah, Because <laughs> you know what, I've just cheated. He's the number one in the fancy football. So if you're going on that, kind of, he's two goals, eight assists. So if you're on an attacking full-back, yeah, he's, he's way ahead of the posse. Him and Cancelo are one and two. So I probably wouldn't argue on that. Yes, obviously, we can have the great debate about the defensive side of things, but I would give the likes of James an honourable mention uh, at right back, um, and maybe the likes of Tierney, maybe as well, but he's been in and out. And Robertson, Robertson's more defensive side of things, but yeah, I, I wouldn't have a problem with Cancelo, and yeah, I suppose we go with Alexander Arn with the, the fact that his, his attacking output has, has come back this year. Okay, Dave. Yeah. Because and it's saying about Robertson, sorry, Roy, it's yeah. about Robertson. Robertson has been a revelation this year again. Yeah. The fact that he can go on for Scotland the way he does, the way he plays for Scotland, plays for Liverpool, and again, he's not a swashbuckling all-out attacking fullback. He can defend when he needs to defend, but again, you you couldn't put him in ahead of Cancelo. He's been that good. Okay, Dave, I'm going to start with you in the centre backs because Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. They bottled it by putting three in the back line because they didn't want to have to to, to, to choose uh, between Diaz, um, I suppose, Van Dijk and Rudiger. For me, Diaz and Rudiger would stand out because they've been playing. Yeah, so 
and you know what? It's a fairly packed. You could you could really argue one or two others as well. The likes of Gabrielle has showed up this year with Arsenal. Give him a bit of a nod. Um, obviously Laporte has been back this year as well. Uh, you have to give Wolves a nod for no other reason, and their defence is miserable as well with Roman Saiz. But uh, you'd have to probably Rudiger. I'd have to put in first, maybe potentially over anyone, and then. Yeah, I think it'd be very hard. Like, let's be bold. Like, I like Van Dijk is as good as he is, but it's it's a form thing. I've no see. This is the thing with some of these Ballon d'Ors and why they lose their luster. It should be based on current form. And at the moment, I would go with Diaz and Rudiger if you're only picking two. If it was over a three or four year body of work, of course Van Dijk could be in. But that's not what it should be about. It's about what's happening right now. Do I think some of them are necessarily better Van Dijk? Not necessarily. But on current form and how they're playing since the start of the season, yeah, Diaz and Rudiger deserve the my my two. If you're only going with two, which I would as well, I go with far to back and I'd have Diaz and Rudiger. Neil, I'm gonna guess that you'd agree. No, do you know what, Roy? And I'm gonna say it now. I would put in Joel Matip ahead of Van Dijk, <laughs> and I wouldn't even put Van Dijk in the team because I think Matip has been Liverpool's best centre back this year. But would I put him in Rudiger and Diaz? I don't know. So look, if I'm playing devil's advocate, I throw Joel Matip in there because I don't think many people vote him. But I think he's been better than Van Dijk. But my head also says I go Rudiger and uh, Diaz. Diaz. Well, we're going for a back four. So Rudiger and Diaz are in. And uh, I agree. I think Matip has been better uh, as well. I I think he's been impressive this year. It's defending. I thought it's been good. I think they made made a scapegoat out of him for the goal the other night. Uh, where he he didn't he wasn't maybe at his best for that, but I thought Van Dyke was shocking uh, for the goal the other night. So um, where he 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 did nothing really in all fairness. He didn't he didn't approach uh, Lukeman. He he turned his back. He stuck out his ankle because he said he might go to the far corner. He just gave him an opportunity to shoot. So I thought he was very poor on, on that. But then again. Uh, He's an excellent defender and it's very hard to criticise him but it's just when the likes of Matip get criticised easier than certain uh, other players. Uh, it does bother you a little bit. Okay, so we're going to go for a midfield three. So, uh, Neil, we'll stick with you. Uh, yeah, I guess we're playing two and a, and a number ten. So, who fits into that? Is it just Manchester City? Uh, no, you know what? I'm going to go for Jorginho or, or Roy. I'm going to go for Jorginho because I think He's just been class since like the summer, so I'm going to put him in there. Can take penalties, scores them all. He's a bit of a kind of a an old fashioned kind of a door forward centre mid where he's always in the rest of the year. He's always kind of you know bringing up a difference of opinion, but I think he's class. I put Jorginho in there. Jorginho and who else in the centre midfield? Oh, it has to be Rodri if you're holding two mids. Because I think he's class. He's just different gravy. And then you can add any of the city mids there. You could De Bruyne. I don't think he's hit the heights this year. Uh, Gundogan, but maybe Bernardo if you're playing him in the middle three. Uh, I'd have him in as well. Dave, uh, Declan Rice. You weren't a big fan of him. Has he impressed you so far this season at all? Yeah, like it's it, it, like it, I think. If people are listening long enough, you know me style. It's just when they when they wax lyrical about certain people before they put in a proper body of work, more so. And as I said, yeah, I gave him a bit of stick in the summer about his air traffic control and pointing to where lads need to where <laughs> lads need to pass and doing a whole lot. Like, listen, he's stepped on and meets and bounds this year, and I think he's realised what he needs to do and credit where credit's due in relation to 
starting to be one of the main men in, in, in the side. Now, maybe it's the fact that Noble is finishing up at the end of the season and Roy sees an opportunity potentially to be the skipper or he just realises now is the time that I'm not the kid anymore. I need to act uh, like like I'm, I'm one of the main men in there and he has been doing it. So credit where credit's due. But I'm just not going to say how brilliant he is after six months. Like a lot of people, like, I, like I've, I've said it earlier on, I just everything has to be brilliant immediately when it's like give them a couple of years and if they do it consistently well they're not putting in a certain bracket um, and he's definitely uh, come up uh, this this season with, with some of the efforts I well, would probably have to go Rodri if it depends on, see, it depends on where you're putting certain players because Ferdinand or Silva has to be in the team and the story so if he's in the midfield tree I'd put him in there with Rodri and because they're two City players I'd be a bit bold and just tip me hat to the likes of Conor Gallagher I think he's been brilliant this year um, but, but there's a lot of players though you know Smith Rose played well and um, Rafinha's played well from time to time at Leeds but because they're down the bottom he won't get the, the credit but if, if Bernardo's in the in a midfield tree I would probably go Rodri Bernardo and maybe just Gallagher just to be a little bit different and, and, and outside the box and give one of their little teams a bit of a nod because he's played very well okay. okay that's interesting Um Oh, I think yeah, we have, we'd have a three in midfield. You can have Bernardo Silva in there. So we're going to have a three three up front. Neil, um, I don't think any of us will disagree about Mo Salah. <laughs> yeah, Salah's got to go wide right. Uh, just to kind of throw a spanner in the works again. I know I don't know if we're classifying him as a midfielder or as a midfielder slash forward, but Mason Mount has to kind of come into the equation because I think he's brilliant for Chelsea, and without him, they don't ever seem the same team. Uh, wide left. Uh, if you want to put Son out wide left, but he hasn't been that consistent, I'm struggling in a wide left player. What about, what about Phil Foden? Yeah, same thing, not but really. maybe not consistent enough. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for me, Foden would be previous, uh, it'd be for previous uh, seasons more so than, than this season. I would plumb for Son out on the left, Salah on the right, and purely because he's number two in the goal scoring charts, I'd probably put Jot in the middle. Okay, so um, we, we so we think uh, Jota in the middle. You have uh, let's have a look. Top goal scorers, top goal scorers: Salah, Jota, Vardy, uh, Dennis from uh, Watford has eight goals, along with Rafinha from Leeds. Uh, Ronaldo has eight as well, with Smith Rowe, who is looking to claim a place there. In all fairness, he's sticking them away, and Son again eight. So Son, yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting uh, on the left. Mane, Neil. What, what have you made of Mane this season so far because it's been I mean he scored seven goals this year it, it's not it's not bad but he there seems to be just something missing yeah do you know what Roy I was on the Liverpool forums today because one of the fans uh, put in a post that Mane should be dropped as not sold and I was kind of going oh, man where are you going with this already but Mane if you go back two years was phenomenal now I don't really worry about Mane in the way I would worry about Firmino. I think he's dropped off a cliff completely. Now, maybe that's because Jota's come in now and he's established himself as the number one guy through the middle, and rightly so. Mane, I don't think has hit the heights he has two years ago. He's still very workmanlike. He still plays Klopp's press to almost perfection in the way he closes guys down but he's definitely at a dip in form in a manner that you would love to bring him out of the side for two or three games now you don't have the luxury like City do of swapping a Jack Grealish for a Raheem Sterling or a Bernardo for um, a Riyad Mahrez 
So Liverpool don't have that luxury. So you're kind of in a stick or twist scenario. Um, you have to stick with him. You have to see what he's like. So with a bit of luck, look, when he comes back from the African Nations, he comes back a different player. Um, but I definitely think he's another gear to go up. And maybe Dave might throw his all in and kind of tell me, does he think he can hit his heights that he has once got to? But at the moment, the jury's a little bit out this season. Now, I'm not, you know, flogging him saying he's underperforming, but maybe he isn't overperforming like we're kind of used to seeing him. There's no harm in asking questions, and I suppose there's no shock after it. It was a poor miss against Leicester, um, well, where somebody might come up with something like that or where it kind of got them thinking. Like, as you said, he's got eight goals, but there's a lot of play between him and Robertson this year that I've been very impressed with uh, and how they link up. And they set up a hell of a lot more than what you would think in relation to other people scoring the goals and obviously Salah getting headlines in Jota. But a lot of it has been down to a lot of good work between Robertson and Manny. And Manny mightn't have the number in the sense of the final assist, and it's been Robertson from time to time. But I've been impressed at what they've done a little bit this year and very much in sync and in helping the team, not necessarily their own personal number. So I do understand why their questions will be asked, but the, the goals are still there to an extent. Um but I like what him and Robertson are doing at the moment, and I think that's where Salah and Jota have benefited. Um, but the headlines aren't necessarily going to Manny, and obviously with his miss the other day, it's probably kind of got that fans kind of juices flowing going. It has the ship sailed. But I wouldn't be quite there just yet because of what I've said there. Like I've been impressed with what him and Robertson are doing, but it's for the benefit of the likes of your Jotas and Salahs this season, hence why they're probably not getting the Maybe I'm not saying they deserve more credit, but I can see why maybe the questions are being asked of them. I think it's probably, a, as you said, Jota and Salah are still maintaining that yeah. extremely high level. And you can also see on the pitch the frustration in Mane game by game mm. that he's not hitting those heights, even though he may be playing still at a, a very high level. So, uh, yeah, it's probably a little bit of a mixture there. OK, I think uh, so. Oh, I think we, uh, did we agree? Did, a little call for that? Yeah, go. Cool. Would you give Jared Bowen an Adam? An honourable mention, or would you give him like would you give him a subs bench role? Yeah, he's I think very impressive. Yeah, he's played very well. I think if you have the likes of Son, uh, Jota, and Salah, yeah. there's a, there's an end product there. Bone yeah. is kind of starting to step up to that kind of level where he needs to do that yeah. on consistent basis and obviously get that those yeah. type of goals. But yeah, I think he's definitely on the up. Yeah, yeah, good, good. The fact, the fact that they're talking about him in a transfer scenario, you know, Liverpool could be interested really? in going or whatnot, kind of tells you that at least his, his level has gone up a little or at least his stock has gone up a little. Um, as much as Antonio's, I don't know, but um, he's there about. Okay. Right, we'll, we'll leave it there at that. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. I hope he's had a good Christmas and a happy new year. Neil and Dave, the very same to you. Thanks very much.